The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you living a wellness lifestyle? What could it do for you? Join us today on the Wellness Lounge a step further and see how our guests and direction can inspire you to self-empowerment through a wellness lifestyle. Now, here is the host of the Wellness Lounge a step further, Desiree Watson. Good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, I am so excited about uh, our first uh, program and uh, taking it a step further at the Wellness Lounge. Uh, today we have Dr. Janice Pride Boone. Uh, very excited about having her. I think you're going to learn so much uh, from Dr. Pride Boone and how she has um, become the most amazing uh, physician thought after to help communities really uh, take it a step further with their wellness and health initiatives. Dr. Janice Pride Boone will explore the four chambers of well-being, including physical, emotional, spiritual, and creativity, intellectual health. Can't wait to hear about that. Dr. Pride Boone is uh, a board certified as a pediatrician and family counselor who has dedicated her life to the wellness lifestyle concept of balancing mind, body, and spirit. She is a graduate of Harvard Medical School and her medical residency at Johns Hopkins. And she added a Bachelor of Science degree at Columbia's Barnard College. We look forward to uh, you staying on board with us for the next hour to listen to Dr. Pride Boone. Thank you, Dr. Pride Boone. So happy to have you on with us. Oh, happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, I first would like to um, start off by asking you, uh, what was your uh, initial uh, thought about going into medicine? Did you uh, did this come to you as a child or as an adult? Why did you choose medicine? Well, I found out uh, fairly early in life that I was a healer. Um, at twelve, my first science major science project was uh, determining what was causing the death of the fish in my tank. And um, I was dissecting them by myself without a supervisor. And um, I was figuring out who had the fungus, who had the bacteria, who had a viral, who was fungus. And then I was deciding along with the pet shop owner which medication I would apply. And so I got an award and um, I was known as the cat lady. So I would um, heal all the cats and dogs in the neighborhood. People would bring them to me to get well. And um, so I initially thought I'd be a vet, and um, but my English teacher said, you talk too much, you're wasting your talking talent. <laughs> so she convinced me to, to give up the thoughts of being a vet and be a medical doctor. I come from a very poor family, and going to college, I was the first one to go to college, so medical doctor had never even crossed my radar. Um, I was thinking, gee, it'd be wonderful if I could just be a vet, and I'd still have thoughts of being a vet, but... Um, 
little hard to do both, but um, so I decided along with the English teacher that, okay, maybe I need to try and pass the medicine since healing seems to be what I enjoy. And um, and I was certainly a, a talker, so the combination would help me with medicine. So right. here, I, here I sit 30 years later having done medicine. Right. Now, you mentioned healer. Can you explain to our listeners uh, how you perceive to healing to be? Because I know that uh, uh, I think we all <laughs> are in a situation now where our health care is uh, just uh, being turned upside down uh, for the better, I believe. Uh, but, um, you know, I've been uh, in complementary and alternative medicine for over 30 years, and we've used the word healer because we feel that uh, physicians, uh, therapists, we're all healers, but uh, not uh, everyone feels that way. And so what do you define a healer to be in the medical uh, industry? Because there are some physicians uh, that uh, people will connect with, their patients connect with right away, and they feel them. There are other physicians, unfortunately, um, people may not connect with, and these are uh, they've had them as patients for many years. So when you say healer, can you explain that, uh, please, or elaborate more on that? Yes. Um, I believe that there is no situation or condition that cannot be improved, that cannot be helped. So before I walk into an exam room, which is about every 10 minutes, I pray um, to the God of my understanding to help me here, whatever I may find. Sometimes it's an emotional, a psychiatric, it could be an ear infection, asthma, whatever that condition is of the body, mind, or spirit, I believe that there is no condition or um, emotional aspect that cannot be healed. And so I walk into the room with the spirit of, how can I help you? Where do you, where do you hurt? Or where is there no balance? Or whatever the chief complaint is, as we say in medicine. If it's simply an ear infection, I go there, but if I'm sensing there are other things going on in the room, um, I may ask, how's Johnny feeling? Is things going okay at school? What's happening at home? So I'm comfortable delving into many areas of health, and it may be an ear infection, but what I'm sensing in this room are there five kids, three dads, and every, nobody in here is getting along. And there's maybe favoritism. There are there are many dynamics within the room, and I believe strongly there is no situation that cannot be helped. And so I may say, gee, Johnny, I, I see your ear is hurting, but is there anything else you need to talk about? And if they're willing to go there, we'll, we'll go ahead and, and discuss what other things may be actually hurting Johnny. And so a healer is someone who brings forth a willingness to make things better, whatever those things may be in the life of a child or a family. Oh, oh. Beautiful. That is indeed, indeed is taking it a step further because I'm not sure that many physicians would uh, take uh, that uh, incredible step. Can you speak about uh, the four chambers of health and wellness? Because I know that uh, you have a passion uh, for this and, and addressing it uh, in, in your community, uh, rather faith-based or uh, just volunteering at uh, uh, your very own foundation, which is the Strong Me Foundation. Can we discuss more the four chambers of defining health and well-being? Uh, can you yes. explain that? 
Yes. Um, I think as I discussed, I grew up poor in Brooklyn in a project. And um, I spent probably the first 20, 25 years of my life trying to become an official healer with a medical degree. And so I graduated with Harvard. I, I enjoyed that time. But I found in my own life as well as the life of families that if I just stick to the, what maybe sort of was pure science <clears throat> or pure physical disease, that that didn't necessarily lead to wellness, that I had achieved. Um, a degree and a certain amount of income and things, but that didn't make me well. And so being well, I sought after a, a sense of wholeness and wellness that was greater than I did in the absence of pain. And so um, what I linked was my four chambers of my heart and said there's more to health than just the heart. The heart is broken up into four pieces, which is the physical health, which includes exercise, nutrition, and balance, your emotional health, your um, creativity or intellectual health. Certainly I see children who are just playing video games and watching TV. They're just passive children. And the family's not exploring the very talents and gifts that, that are so clear in the room. Um, so if you don't have that along with spiritual health, I was may have had an income that looked pretty good, but that didn't make me well, nor was I happy or balanced. And so I used those four chambers to remind families that, we need all four of those houses built up. For instance, I saw an asthmatic child who was really doing pretty well, and the mother was not allowing this child. child was about eight. She wasn't allowing the child to play. She wouldn't let him uh, into sports. He was locked up in the house. And, and I asked, um, you know, he really is doing really well, and he needs an opportunity to play and grow. That's part of being a child. And uh, why why won't you let him play? I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid. And I had so I needed to investigate what was that fear? What exactly are you afraid of? She thought he would die. If he ran and played, he would die. And I explored that further. And turns out she was a prostitute before she had the child. And she had this belief that um, because of her sins, what she called sins, not my choice, hers, um, God was going to take this child from her. So she had this great debt to pay. And... Um, this child was certainly not going to be able to live a full life, happy life because of what her life had been in previously. So I talked, she was a church going woman and I remind her about the cross and redemption and that her sins had been paid off. So this belief that they would be passed on to the child, I didn't necessarily agree. And I just invited her to really consider what her faith meant to her. And to let this child be free, because the child was healed physically, but emotionally and spiritually, she was still wounded. And she was passing that woundedness on to the child. And so after she was able to feel the wellness that she had been forgiven, it was over. The child was allowed to play and thrive. And so if I hadn't investigated those pieces of it, this is a child who had been locked up in the house for 18 years until he was free to, to on his own, go to college and go off and, and enjoy sports. So... Um, sometimes it's not so simple as asthma and two medications. There may be other factors that are holding a family back. Oh, that's, uh, oh, that's amazing. Uh, the four chambers, and it just uh, clearly explained, uh, uh, and, and I'm almost in tears because it's just such a oh, it's, it's such a beautiful um, presence to have a physician being able to integrate so much of uh, our everyday lives into helping and treating people and healing. 
uh, I, I think sometimes uh, we uh, feel that uh, uh, the science of being well can take over uh, the whole uh, mind, body, spirit. And I don't believe that uh, it can be true uh, if we plan on moving forward with everyone addressing their own well-being. The science is amazing. It's great. But when you really use the four chambers that you're uh, suggesting, it does make sense. It makes sense. If you're treating the whole person, then the outcome, uh, it, it has to be positive. So yes. let me ask you about um, the whole physical and a sense of being uh, healthy with uh, uh, weight. You know, well, that's the big topic now. Uh, one of these four chambers is definitely physical, and it's the, the weight uh, initiatives and all these things that's happening in our world today or our country. You know, children are obese. Um, how do you connect that with parents, perhaps, that um, are raising children? Because my view is that, uh, uh, and of course you're not really listening to hear my view, but I'm definitely connecting it with Dr. Pridebloom because I, I think uh, she is on to something, being a, a, a physician that heals. Now, uh, my view is that... Uh, a lot of what we connect with uh, uh, obesity uh, is what your belief is, is that you need to connect that spiritual foundation. Now, you, of course, just explained to uh, our listeners how uh, we can carry things for many years. And so when you're treating these beautiful children, you're also having discussions with the parents. How do you uh, curve? Uh, the, the fact that the parents are doing the best they can and they have an overweight uh, child, uh, how does that fit into the four chambers? What can they do? How can they tap into their spirituality and presence to pass that on to their kids to feel good about uh, what they're doing? Because I hear so often that there's something going on internally where, when uh, people are overweight or, and they're not healthy. Can you elaborate more on that? Yes, that's an excellent question because, um, you know, you'll hear someone say, oh, just eat less and move more. And that's a very simple, elegant statement. But in the real world where I live, that's a difficult task. And so um, I am a food addict, so I very under much understand um, how food plays a role in how we feel and how we move our, our lives around food and, and food access issues because of the poverty experience as a child. And certainly um, my family used food as a reward. Um, it, it was used in, in many ways beyond nutrition. And so I bring that understanding to the family. And But what I also bring back is their, the awareness of their spirituality, which is to accept and love the child just where they are and hope that things can change. And what I give them is simple behaviors, not so simple when you have to carry them out, but they're relatively simple instructions that help the child and the family move forward. So I ask them to really slow down. And often there's a lot of teasing. Um, the mother or father may themselves experience weight issues as well, and they may project a lot of those negative feelings onto the child. 
And so I asked them to accept themselves and the child, that this is a difficult, food-saturated world that we live in. And often most of us are wired for food addictions because we are wired to get and obtain as much food as humanly possible because our ancestors lived in times where you would starve. If you couldn't eat well and hold on to it and store it, you would die. So we're descendants of, of, of traditions of families that, that were, had low food access. Now we're tossed into this world of food everywhere you look. Let's talk about the Super Bowl yesterday and the amount of snacks. I mean, it's second to Thanksgiving. <laughs> so as Americans, there's never, unfortunately for most Americans, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, food access is not a terrible issue. Certainly there are many pockets of people who have trouble having food every day, but even when they have food, it's high fat, high salt, highly processed. So these foods really feed into the addiction, in addition to being wired for fat, sugar, and salt. That's why Chinese food's a hit. We are in an environment where fat, salt, and sugar is abundant. So I ask the family to forgive themselves, to be gentle with themselves, that they are navigating a very toxic world. And it's very difficult to raise children in that environment. So I give them simple behavioral tools. One of them is 5210, and I have a program and a foundation where we work with families. Because when you're truly addicted, it's very difficult to solve it in a simple office visit because I tell them it's bigger than that. And it's going to take a lot of work to make those changes. And that work is slow. And for it to be effective, it needs to be slow. It's not something you come in and here's the prescription and now you're done. It doesn't work that way. It's a lifestyle change that takes a lot of energy and motivation and a lot of shifting. So 5210, we save five fruits and vegetables, two hours of TV only because, unfortunately, the media is saturated with go buy me, go eat me, look how gooey, wonderful I look. <laughs> and everywhere they turn, there's the message to eat, and that will make you feel better. And so limiting that TV media exposure because of the messaging about food is, equals happiness. And then one hour of exercise, which unfortunately many children, loss of gym, um, indoor activities, gaming, they're not playing, they're not moving. So how do you structure, particularly a poor family, how do you structure in that one hour of exercise? And if you don't, you're going to feel terrible. You're going to feel depressed and anxious because you're not moving. So, and the zero is zero sweetened drinks because many of our families don't have money for organic milk, but they have money for cold drinks or soda which is very inexpensive. Um, high fructose corn syrup being a very cheap sugar is very plentiful. And so getting the families to learn to drink water and plant-based milk away from soda. And soda is a treat. It's something you go out and have. You don't store it. And um, so five, two, one. So I get the kids to say five, okay. two, one, zero. Thank so, you. Excellent. Also, We're going to that. break uh, Dr. Pride Boone. We can't wait to... Uh, get uh, uh, your knowledge on uh, the creativity and intelligence of uh, being well. We're breaking for commercial. We'll be right back. the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Family caregivers face some tough challenges every day in caring for a partner, parent, child, sibling, friend, neighbor, or even coworker. You are there to provide the care that these people need after everyone else has gone home. Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley will provide you with a social networking experience. You'll hear from experts and others who are experiencing the same things, and together you will promote a common cause. Tune in to Family Caregivers Unite twice every week, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety and on the Voice America Empowerment Channel every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. How do you feel about the future? Tune in each week for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. You can be a great leader by learning from the inspiring stories of amazing visionaries who are shaping our future. Everyone deserves to create their own vision, and Kate and her guests will share the tools that you need to make it happen. Make a weekly visit to the Voice America Business Channel for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Be inspired. Become inspiring. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world. And that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You're tuned in to the Wellness Lounge a step further with host Desiree Watson. To find out more about our programs, please visit our website at www.wellnessinteractive.com. That's wellnessinteractive.com. Now, back to the show. We're here speaking with Dr. Janice Price Boone about the four chambers of health and wellness. Uh, Dr. Price Boone, I first again want to thank you uh, for all of your knowledge. I mean, it's just so important that uh, our listeners are uh, listening into, uh, I guess, the science of being health, healthy and well, but also the four chambers that address the physical, emotional, spiritual value and creativity and the intellectual uh, health power of uh, navigating our own wellness lifestyle. Can you uh, talk to us uh, for a moment or speak to us about, uh, uh, I understand obviously you're a pediatrician and you're, you're, you're also a psychologist, which I think is amazing, and you work with uh, families uh, uh, in healing and really taking them a step further. Can you speak more to uh, maybe the obesity being carried over from childhood to uh, adults? Yes, um, and I'm a marriage and family therapist. Marriage, okay. And a, Excellent. And a pediatrician, <laughs> yes. So, I, yes, I deal with families. But um, looking at those four chambers, what I often find is families that are caught in ruts, including the adults. And the adults, if speaking regarding obesity, most families who have obese children, 7 out of 10, 8 out of 10 are going to have obese parents. And their parents, if in an environment that's food-saturated like ours, they would have had the opportunity to be obese as well but they may have come during tough times when food was not as plentiful and junk food particularly is not as plentiful as it is now since the 1970s and 80s. We've had very cheap sugars and oils, hydrogenated oils and high fructose corn syrup that have made junk food fairly available to everybody, the dollar meal, 
Um, so genetically, many families are loaded to hold on to as many calories as humanly possible in order to survive. But unfortunately, that set of genes is, is tough in this environment where junk food is very plentiful. So if I put a bag of chips in front of an adult or a child, if it's 6 ounces or 12 ounces, whatever that size is, they're going to eat it all because we're wired to consume and hold on for the tough times that may or may not come now um, in our food-saturated environment. So teaching adults as well as children, what are the environmental cues that you use to manage weight? Well, you don't buy large sizes. If you do buy large sizes, you break it up into small pieces because if you put it in a little sandwich bag, you're going to finish whatever's in that sandwich bag. But if you leave a 16-ounce container or bag on the table, adults or child, we're going to consume that because that's how we're wired for survival. So if you put the sugar dish 10 feet away versus one foot away, if you, there are studies, if it's 10 feet away, you lose 20 pounds in a year if you have to get up and walk over to the sugar dish. So we're wired for ease and calories. And so teaching families, which is usually, again, it's a genetic, it's, family, it's parent to child for the most part. And there are some thin parents who have children who are obese, but they're rare. Most of it's genetic. We're coded for it. And we live in environments where we aren't, if we're not careful to protect ourselves from it, the, the cues to eat and overeat are very strong. So teaching the parent as well as the child to recognize true hunger and to only eat when you're hungry. you got to hear growling. If you're not hearing growling, then you probably aren't physiologically hungry. Now, you may be emotionally hungry, uh, spiritually hungry, and there are other hungers. So what I ask them to do is look at heart hunger. This is the work of Gwen Shamblin. You look at heart hunger, head hunger, and stomach hunger, and really try to differentiate what are you really hungry for. Is it you just saw a Hershey commercial and you're interested in the chocolate because you just saw a chocolate commercial? Or are you really growling? And if you're growling, you need to satisfy that growl, and that can be hopefully some of that healthy food because you need nutrition and fuel to run. Um, in some families, you're just getting junk food. You're not getting nutrition, so you're hungry all the time because you're not eating healthy foods that actually fuel the body. So I see it more as a child-parent. It's not really age-related. It's being human-related, which is how do you fuel the body? How do you get enough exercise? And how do you find your passion so that you're not doing a lot of families will eat out of boredom? They're watching TV. It's a very passive environment. Mm. asking them to go out and to work out together as a family, to take a walk as a family and remove the boredom. Even just right. looking at, at family pictures together where you're moving the heart and the body and not just passively in our environment. It's very easy to play games all day on the, on, on the smartphones well, and consume food. Excellent. Well, th- this brings me to, uh, I believe, the last uh, chamber uh of the, of the four chambers, the creative uh, and the intellectual health. Now, uh, I know that uh, there are uh, some people who are overweight and they can be healthy, right? And then there's some people that are skinny and aren't healthy at all. Could yes. you please uh, speak to that? Because, uh, you know, yes, we're in this uh <laughs> we're in we're in the process of navigating all our junk food uh and we're trying really hard uh, uh within our communities to make sure that we have fruits and vegetables and uh you know all addressing all the emotional and spiritual and physical of the four chambers but then 
how can one, with all of the junk in the community, how can you use your intellectual approach to help uh, your family or even volunteering uh, with uh, creativity and, and just being well? Because there are some overweight people and some skinny people that aren't you know, necessarily healthy or they are healthy. Right. So I don't use, I use the BMI just because it is a marker, and I do show the families and the adults where they are so they have an awareness of where they are. Um, but weight in and of itself, you can be very thin and very sick, and, of course, and you can be overweight and have no illnesses. So weight in and of itself is not a true marker. What I'm looking for is a child not to have hypertension, not to have diabetes, um, not to have any physiological concerns because of the weight, and that the weight is not restricting their movement. So you want to be a child should be able to run up and down the stairs without being winded, um, and the weight may be a part of that. So the weight in and of itself is not so important as much. It brings awareness to the topic, allows me to talk about it. Can you but, give us an example of uh, uh, of someone being overweight but uh, completely fit? Oh, all the time. They can be completely well. It's not. Can you, it's not can you give us an example of uh, I, I don't, I, maybe a woman who farms? She's up every morning. Oh yeah, she can be huge in our mind's eye because we're you know again, and you know best about the media and Fifth Avenue and this perception that you have to be real thin to be healthy. And she can be 100, her BMI may be 29, 30. And she's extremely healthy, healthier than any model who, who she could blow away um, because of her strength. She's muscular, she's strong. Just as athletes, their BMIs will look very high. But, of course, they're extremely healthy and extremely strong. And so the BMI is not an, a, an accurate way to really look at weight and, and its effect on the body. Now what but what it, does the BMI stand for? What it represents your weight, your weight distributed over your height. So right, taking the, hu- huge uh, body mass index. Okay. So taking huge populations and measuring their weight and height. If you look at a thousand, ten thousand people, if their BMI start hitting thirty to thirty-five, those people are more likely to have problems with diabetes and hypertension. So as we move, and I do ask adults to weigh themselves frequently um, if they're uh, still having periods maybe once a week if they're not having periods every day because you get to know what you've eaten, what foods you may be allergic to that are causing weight gain. You get to recognize, okay, I spent all day eating chips. Here's what I look like the next day. So is that the creative, excuse me, I apologize. Is, is that the uh, creative or uh, intellectual no, that, that, health we're discussing? or That's more physical. The The intellectual piece would be finding your passion because if I find that people, if they're not, using their God-given passions, they're artists, they do pottery, they sing, they dance, they play piano. Each of us has a talent writing. There's a passion within all of us that I've found in my 35 years of practice. And if you're not using that passion, if you're not using that God-given talent, sometimes you wind up eating out of boredom, out of frustration, out of lack of satisfaction. So eating may be a symptom of a larger problem, which is I'm not working my gift. And helping people find what that gift and that joy is. Because there are, for each of us, and yours list will probably be very different than mine, 
to which certain things they do bring them such joy. For some people, it's just sitting among the grass and looking at the sky and the tree. And if they're running nonstop and they never stop to look at the sky, they are so frustrated and so angry and so resentful that their life is turned into one hour of work to another. I think you might be, I apologize for interrupting Mm -hmm. for a minute, but I think you might be also speaking, uh, unfortunately, to uh, our society in the direction we're going in. I think right. we're all running. Everybody, you know, we don't stop enough. Right. Uh, we don't. And we're not connecting. And that's the emotional chamber, which is if you're not making time for friends and families, the people that bring you joy, you're out of balance. And when you're out of balance, you do other things that make you feel good. And these foods, the highly processed junk foods, they'll light your brain up like crack. Your your brain will look like you're on crack. So you can medi- you can medicate those negative emotions using food. But what you really need is to connect with your family or your friends or to go lay down and look at the sky. And Mm -hmm. so helping families figure out, adults as well as children, what are the things that really bring you joy every day? And try to do that thing every day. I like to dance. So if I don't put in (laughs) ballroom dancing and Zumba, I've got a happy camper. And I'm going to be a not happy mother or doctor because I'm (laughs) I'm not making time for the joy of my life. So I like reading. If there's no time to read, I'll pick up a bag of M&M's. Not because I want the M&M's, but because I'm frustrated, and and, and that'll make me feel better. And and for that one hour, for that half hour, of course, an hour later, my sugar dips, and I'm hungry, and I'm back where I was before. (laughs) But But I just medicated away those negative emotions, which was, I really need to have made time today to do something I like. And what I did was work and take care of everyone in my family, and I didn't feel my joy. So I need to make sure for me to have time to pray and meditate, to talk to the God of my understanding. If I spend that whole day running and connecting on my smartphone and the laptop, there's no joy. So every day is a gift. And if in that gift, that day, you don't make time for your passion, you might start doing a lot of other things that have nothing to do with feeling well. And part of feeling well is having experienced that joy. And I think each of us has within us the power to have a little piece of joy every day. And and your joy is not my joy. Each of us finds our way, make time to find out what is that intellectual, creative piece of me that I need to explore. Because I, in my experience, everybody has it. And they just may not be, they may not be aware of what that joy is, that passion, that creativity that they enjoy as well as the rest of the world goes, wow, that's a beautiful picture you just painted. <laughs> so, you know, each each of us has that talent to share. And sometimes it's talking, it's emotional health. I I don't spend time, I haven't made time to speak to the people I love in my life. And those things impact how we eat. And then out of that stress eating comes picking up food that may not, that will not nourish you, but certainly make you feel good for an hour. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of working with families and adults is, is finding joy, finding the creativity. If you work at McDonald's 12 hours a day, finding that one hour in a day where painting, or dancing, or talking, or writing is your time, and carving that time out, and not necessarily playing a video game during that time, but really using that time to spend time with prayer, with meditation, with yourself, and and finding that internal joy, because that's what's going to keep you going from day to day. Excellent. Beautiful. Um, Question also, uh, Dr. Pride-Boot, can you give us uh, an example of uh, how... uh, you have worked with your family 
on uh, maybe perhaps some of uh, the issues uh, that we're all confronted with. Because I know we all have uh, a brick wall at times that we need to go through. And do you have any uh, examples that um, you can give us uh, with your family? And, uh, and, and if you don't, that's fine. But I, I am sure uh, the listeners may want to know um, how you navigate uh, uh, your own uh, personal uh, brick wall <laughs> at times. Yes, yes. So we're five. I have three blessed with three children. Uh, one's a lawyer, one's a teacher, one's a 60 year old in, in high school. And um, they are uh, very different in weight and body structure, just as my husband Jerry is. And in that food environment, I had one child who who would eat everything that wasn't nailed down and the other one who wouldn't touch anything because it all looked yucky to him. So he was truly the I eat to survive versus I'm survive- I am I live only to eat child and then I had one in between. So as a parent setting up that food environment so that when they reached for food, healthy food was there, I still would bring in junk food on occasion like weekends or go out for it. So balancing one child, the thin one loved the chocolate and the junk. So having him have that access maybe once a week and saying, this is a family, we got to compromise. I can't put all the things you like to eat in the house every day because Brian and I and dad are going to blow up like balloons. So we can't do that. But here's how we'll compromise. We'll go out on Saturdays and everybody gets what they want. So we would do a buffet or a place where you can really order what you like and then ask the family to eat reasonably well and structure the, the house so you don't put junk food everywhere because three or five of us are going to, if it's not nailed down, gee, we'll try that. So, um, again, just drinking water, not keeping sweet drinks in the house, not keeping junk food, your snacks, having a balance of really healthy snacks. So when we want snacks, the real stuff is there. Chris, who was thin, would need salad. And now at 28, he loves salad. So you, as a parent, you're frustrated, but they do hear you, and they will hear you. And I just talked to a family Friday that was frustrated. The child wouldn't eat greens. And I reminded and shared with her, don't worry, at 25, he'll eat the salad. But he is hearing your message, and they do hear you. And if you repeatedly, re- over and over again, we are their best teachers, and they will come around, but it will take time. And and accept that you are not doing it as a parent. You don't need the guilt. Beat yourself over the head. Your kids are who they are. And you can pass on genetically some predispositions, but they're pretty much going to find their way. But as a parent, your job is to control the environment and, and allow them to express their in, their individuality but provide the nutritional needs and the exercise needs. Like, we're going to all go play sports on Saturday. We'd go to the gym together. We'd work out together. We're all doing this. That's not optional. We're all going to go. So the thin one had to move, and the overweight child had to move. And then they grow up like Brian and find the right girl, and then suddenly he lost 25 pounds. I was like, fine. I was just like drag, <laughs> dragging you to the gym for 21 years. And now you can't, every day you've got to go. <laughs> so I'm like, Brian, come home. I need some help. No, I'm at the gym. <laughs> it's like, no, you you can't always be the motivator. In fact, most of the time you're probably not so going to be the there, there, there is some fun in all of this. Uh, yes, the comedy. To, and, and to accept <laughs> your humanity as a parent, as an adult, we're all trying to figure this out. And this is tough for all families and for all of us. And if you're blessed with, I call them thin genes, where you can pretty much drop you anywhere and you don't have to worry about it, 
Uh, you're blessed, but that doesn't make them happy. So you still have to explore the emotional, the creativity, intellectual. Because you can, I'm sure you know, lots of unhappy thin people. And so weight in and of itself is, is, is not a mark of wellness or health. It's just a number. And if, it, if you're t- trending toward a high number, you're cognizant of the fact that that may lead you down a road of not so well, as in diabetes and hypertension. But that's necessarily right. But so you use that to oh, help you. And if you choose this thin, has been terrific, yeah. Dr. Pride Boone. We're breaking for commercial. We'll be right back. up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You're tuned in to the Wellness Lounge a step further with host Desiree Watson. To find out more about our programs, please visit our website at www.wellnessinteractive.com. That's wellnessinteractive.com. Now, back to the show. Dr. Pride Boone, uh, before you leave us, can you uh, just uh, for a moment uh, tell us what uh, your uh, feeling or reflection on uh, a person uh, having over 30 surgeries? Obviously, uh, Earl Monroe is a legend athlete. Athlete. He was a soccer player before he became a basketball player. But um, his surgeries, uh, uh, per my discussion with him, it's of the skeletal being, and uh, he speaks about how uh, you have to know your body in order to navigate and, and be well having over 30 surgeries. He's just amazing. I, I know that... Uh, uh, there are many people who have had emergency surgeries uh, based on various conditions in their life uh, uh, crit- that may have been critical. In his situation, it's um, really uh, dedicated, uh, unfortunately, to 
uh, being an athlete and having uh, issues with uh, uh, hips and knees and so on. So can you speak to that uh, before you leave us? Yes. Um, I think here, again, where the four chambers or the four uh, components or health are key, um, it sounds to me like he's had a lot of tears, a lot of injuries, and being really in tune with your body, he knows when he's off balance. And so he's able to say, I think this ACL tear is really creating problems for me. He probably knows alignment and wellness in terms of balance and joint pain and discomfort. It's really important when you have a lot of chronic pain that you build that emotional and spiritual health because that's one of the ways to handle pain. Otherwise, the pain score can become tremendously high, chronic pain, and then you may wind up having to take huge amounts of medicine in order to control the pain. And so uh, here's where whatever sport or activity you can do is important to do that every day, particularly uh, stretching, yoga, uh, Pilates, depending on the injuries. Again, I'm not aware of specific injuries and, and what the limitations may be. But here's where yoga, um, tai chi, any soft, gentle movement and stretching of the joints. Here's where diet would be very important. That's that physical piece. So you'd want to be sure to consume a good number and amount of omega-3 fatty acids, somewhere to two to 4,000 because of joint disease where um, you'd want to make sure that you're having healthy fats in the diet like coconut, olive oil, um, the unsaturated fats. But the saturated fats that are very healthy for you, as in coconut, and being really careful with food allergies. You don't want to introduce cow's milk, for instance. If you're allergic, your joints are going to hurt more. You can have a wheat or gluten sensitivity. It's going to make your joints worse. It's very important that nutrition and exercise be a very large component of your daily walk because of all the pain and limitations and not being on huge amounts of medicine just to survive the day. And sometimes you have to because of the injuries, but keeping that balance of physical and spiritual, and here's where prayer and meditation Mm -hmm. and movement would be important to balance and health. So you'd want to keep those family connections. People who live the longest in the world, 108, are the people who have huge and strong family and friend connections. They're regularly with people they love, and they make time to be with the people they love, and that's not through texting and it's not through Skyping, and they literally spend time in the presence of people they love, and they're careful with their diet. They don't, they're not super stringent. They will drink red wine. Um, they will, they're parts of their diets, but it's all in moderation, and they move. They make sure, even with their limitations, that they're doing some sort of exercise, whatever. So this is, this is being in tune to your body, because that's actually yeah. what uh, uh, Earl uh, has said. You, you need to be in tune to your body and what's needed in, uh, in addition and to I, being around people that you love and love. people that you care about. Right, having that good emotional health. And my guess is he has he knows his passion, and he's able to spend time doing the things that he loves. Now, sometimes in families it's very difficult. You have to work two jobs to keep the lights on. So finding time to do those passionate things that, that thrill you, that get you up in the morning, finding the time and the cost to cover those passions. It could be golfing. It could be any number of sports or activities that you can do yourself or with family. But making time for joy, because if your life is joyless, the pain score goes way up. And some of that pain score has to do with balance and joy and passion, as well as the disease that you find within the joints. 
absolutely amazing. So uh, I am still stuck on the idea of uh, having over 30 surgeries, but I would think that having one surgery uh, can be uh, quite uh, emotionally challenging. One surgery, because surgery is it's, it's not a, uh, to my understanding, it's not something we should take light, even if it is uh, simple. <laughs> you know, in our mindset, it, we're, I'm just going in for minor surgery and it's going to be easy and simple. I've heard that many times. But when you have the second, the third, the fourth, and you can remain calm about it, and then you get to 30, it, it must be the total mind-body-spirit connection. Yes. And every time you're put to sleep, there's the risk of anesthesia. There's a 3% risk of death. So the, you don't take any surgery, as you said, lightly, because the risk of death is there every time you're put to sleep. And um, a la Michael Jackson, whenever you are put under, you're in the hands of whoever has you and the equipment that they have or don't have. So it's very important that you're aware of that. But if you don't have the surgery, the risk of chronic and debilitating pain is huge. So I'm sure he didn't take any of them lightly, but he, living the, the, the work, his occupational hazard, unfortunately, as you know, President Barack has spoke to, the in, head injuries of football players, when your work environment is such that it's just putting a beating on your body, the downside, which we often don't hear about, are all the surgeries and pain that follow a life in sports, in professional sports. And they, often better than the children that I see, who don't have the support and the money to take care of those injuries. So um, being a sports person is, unfortunate occupational hazard of chronic pain and chronic injury and re-injuring. And finally, healing that injury is a tough, tough battle. So... You know, I know it can't be easy for him to go to sleep that many times to take that risk as well as the risk to get well. But when you're in pain, you know, you're going to go ahead and take that risk because it is difficult to enjoy life and to investigate your passion when you're in tremendous amount of pain. So in order to move forward, to to take a step further is to be well and to be out of huge pain. So I'm sure he didn't take those lightly. And, you know, he needed to have that joint cleaned up so that he could, could live again. So, um, but how he did it, I'm sure, was through balance, his emotional, spiritual health, his faith, and his family, and his passion is what allowed him the strength to go through 30 surgeries in order to be well and to be relatively pain-free most days of the week is what I'm sure he's looking for. Right, right, exactly. Uh, and, and I smile because he uh, also uh, uh, says, exactly um, what you're saying. It, it really is about, uh, you know, being pain-free, but also uh, just being aware. And so um, I look forward to speaking with him next week, and I'm sure our listeners are, you're, you're going to love what he has to say. And Dr. Pride Boone, of course, uh, has uh, definitely opened that door for you all to understand how uh, one person can have 30 surgeries and be perfectly fine and calm about it and uh, speak about uh, being in tune to their bodies. And uh, I uh, thank uh, Dr. Pride Boone again for being able to clarify so much for us. Uh, in the future, we are going to have um, you all call in for questions. Uh, 
when we have uh, Dr. Pride Moon uh, back with us uh, uh, to ask her questions about uh, what's happening in your life or in your well-being, in your environment. I uh, am an advocate of uh, all things well and uh, being sure that you have a space in your home that will uh, support uh, just about everything that Dr. Pride Boone has mentioned today, but also uh, support the idea of you being well and being able to go into uh, a space where no one uh, can uh, uh, bother you. I'm getting that cue, and unfortunately, we are signing off, and I am so happy that uh, you came on board to speak to our listeners, and I'm hoping you'll come back. Oh, sure. Love to, love to work with you. I think we learned you, so much, so much you from, from you today and really, truly oh. appreciate your knowledge. And uh, just want to say to everyone, you can uh, find uh, Dr. Pride Boone at the Strong Me Foundation, and she will revisit us again at some point. And also uh, tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. Uh, Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time. We look forward to having uh, Dr. Pride Boone back. And next week we will have uh, uh, Earl Monroe, the NBA legend, Mr. Earl Monroe, NBA Hall of Famer. This gentleman is also truly amazing. He has had over 30 surgeries. And we may have him with Dr. Pride Boone uh, within the next 13 weeks. But next week we'll, we'll have him on board. Uh, Dr. Pryboon, thanks again. I enjoyed it. Thank you for allowing me to share. Is there anything uh, that you uh, may want to say to our listeners as far as uh, where to find you other than the Strong Me Foundation? Um, Strongme.org is terrific, or through your through your website is terrific. And just remember, um, balance and be gentle to yourself. Treat yourself like your best. You would treat your best friend. Love yourself. Accept yourself where you are. And enjoy your journey. We probably have one trip through here. Mm. Sounds amazing. (laughs) Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I want to thank you again. And uh, we look forward to having you back in uh, another two or three weeks. And uh, we will uh, speak uh, to the four chambers on the adult level uh, this week. We spoke uh, about uh, our uh, navigation process through childhood to adults. But uh, when you come back, would you speak to us uh, just talking about the adults, okay? That sounds great. So appreciate your coming on board. Thanks again, Dr. Price Boone. Thank you so much for joining us this week for the Wellness Lounge, a step further. Please tune in next Monday morning at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another great show featuring your host, Desiree Watson. We'll continue to show you how to incorporate a wellness lifestyle and live a better life.